but please take your hymnal. Let's go to page number 109. Send the light, the blessed gospel light.
My guess is if we gave the invitation right now, the altar would be full. My goodness. That's a beautiful song, but that is, that's something we all need to be praying all the time. What, what a precious, precious song. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. I, I do want to give you a couple of, of numbers that uh, we are very excited about. Uh, in the last six weeks, there's been uh, quite a bit of extra visitation that's been done on the buses, and and um, so proud of the work that all of our our bus workers are doing. They're they're out there beating the bushes and trying to get more people to come. And so, what happens when you get a few visitors to come? Then you encourage them. They start reaching into places where you can't reach and you don't know about. And then they start bringing visitors that you had no idea were coming. And in the past six weeks, we have had 117 visitors. So praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for that. And this has been since January 1st of this year. We've had 334 saved um, from some ministry touching that many people's lives. So what a blessing. Uh, there was a young man saved over here this morning lady saved over here, and um, Brother Darren, you have one saved in junior church? Yeah, one in junior church, so that's 335 saved. Brother Darren and uh, Brother Devin, they're seeing kids saving their class every week. I mean, these are soul winners, man. This is, this is good stuff, so praise the Lord for it. That's what church is for, amen? 
That's what church is for. Seniors breakfast this coming Thursday. Uh, be in your places at 815 at Eagle Lake Diner. We'll have a good time there. Anytime you bring in food, it's going to be good, especially um, good food, amen, good food, good fellowship. Uh, we'll have a good time this, this coming Thursday, but we're going to have a good fellowship tonight. So after the service, make your way over to the gym, and we'll enjoy some fellowship over there, some food. Um, and then on the, on the 12th of this month, that's not this coming Thursday, it's going to be the next Thursday, the ladies are going to be having their uh, ladies' fellowship. It says, back to the basics, back to the basics. Bring, bring your favorite fall dish is what they say, and that means pumpkin pie. Anytime pumpkin pie is said from the pulpit, somebody needs to say amen. Pumpkin pie. <laughs> Stuffing. 176. 176. Please take your hymn book out and stand and join me in singing out on In Times Like These. In times like these, you need a Savior. In times like these, you need an Okay, we'll do it how we know it, not how it's written. I'm sorry. I'll do it as we know it, not how it's written. Here we go. In times like these, you need the Bible. In times like these, oh, be not idle. Be very sure. Be very sure. Your anchor holds and grips a solid rock. I mentioned this morning that uh, Jim and Pat King, they're going to have to be moving. It will probably be the end of this month um, because of his health. He's in condition now that he's got to have somebody taking care of him all the time. And Pat's not able to do that. Their son that was here, he got transferred or is being transferred to Kentucky. So uh, they're going to have to move to be with one of their daughters so that she can, I think she's a nurse maybe, she's going to be helping take care of him. So remember them in prayer and also Solomon and Amber 
I couldn't talk them out of it. I tried my best, but they don't listen to their preacher. So <laughs> they said they'd rather listen to God than listen to me. So, um, but uh, pray for them. I guess this would, would be your last service. And, um, and also um, continue to pray for Brother Don Dowdy and others that are, that are sick. I don't have my list with me here tonight. But let's go to the Lord in prayer now and ask his blessings on the offering. And remember these requests. Brother Pounce, would you lead us in prayer? Amen. to 
thy great faithfulness, mercy and love. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow blessings all mine with ten thousand Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning new mercies I see, all I have needed thy hand hath provided, great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. William Borden was heir to the Borden family fortune. For his high school graduation present, his parents gave their 16-year-old son a trip around the world. As the young man traveled through Asia, the Middle East, and Europe, he felt a growing burden for the Lord's hurting, world's hurting people. Finally, he wrote home about his desire to be a missionary. One friend expressed disbelief that Bill was, quote, throwing himself away as a missionary. A story often associated with his response to his friend's comment is that he wrote two words in the back of his Bible, no reserves. Upon graduation from Yale, Borden turned down some high-paying job offers. It has been recorded that in his Bible, Bill Borden wrote two more words, no retreats. William Borden went on to do graduation work at Princeton Seminary in New Jersey. When he finished his studies at Princeton, he sailed for China. Because he was hoping to work with the Chinese Muslims, he stopped first in Egypt to study Arabic. While there, he contracted spinal meningitis. Within a month, 25-year-old William Borden was dead. Borden not only gave away his wealth, but himself in a way so joyous and so natural that it seemed a privilege rather than a sacrifice. As the story has it, prior to his death, 
Borden had written two more words in the back of his Bible. Underneath the words, no reserves and no retreats, he is reported to have written, no regrets. Make a motion that we not let her go. I'd like to receive a second to that. And all in favor of keeping them here, raise your hand. All right, Solomon, you saw that, didn't you? Open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4. Several weeks ago, might have been maybe just two weeks ago, I um, 
preached a message on some of these friends that um, Paul mentions in, in Colossians, and and so I had I had said I had, I was going to um, preach a series of messages on them, and we we had one, and it was on on uh, Tychicus. And uh, and I never did get to the others, and but I thought uh, that night I thought well you know maybe maybe I won't preach on the rest of them. But several people as you went out, you uh, said that 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 was good, and you wanted to hear the others. So uh, last Sunday night, uh, Brother Tony preached. So we we skipped a week. So we're gonna, we're going to look look at, at this again. Uh, starting starting here in um, Colossians chapter 4 and uh, beginning with verse 7. All my, all my state, my condition, is what he said here, shall Tychicus, and I mentioned that the CH there is, is uh, pronounced K, Tychicus, Declaring to you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things that are done here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you, and Marcus, Sister's son to Barnabas, touching whom you receive commandments. If he come unto you, receive him. And Jesus, which is called Justice, who are of the circumcision. In other words, Jews, they were Jews. These only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you, and them that are in Laodicea, and them in Hierapolis. That's a mouthful. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea, and Nymphus and the church which is in his house. And when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also with the church of the Laodiceans, and that you, that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. The salutation by the hand of me, Paul. Remember my bonds. Grace be with you. Amen. When I was reading this uh, some time ago, uh, it struck me the number of people here that the Apostle Paul uh, makes mention of that he relied on to help him in, in his ministry. And I was thinking about here we, we're always uh, trying to emphasize the fact anyway uh, we even have have a little slogan, Team Central. We uh, we 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 try to keep before you all the time that that the work here is not it's not just one person or two people or even a dozen. It's all of us 
working together. And, and uh, I, I've often thought about the, you know, the, the blessings that you receive, the rewards that you'll receive at the judgment seat of Christ because of the, of the work that you've done here, the ministry that, that uh, you've had a big part in. So we dealt there with uh, Tychicus, and I, and it's been a couple of weeks, so I don't know if you're like me or not, but after two weeks, I forgot about everything up to that point. So let me do a brief review, um, and it's, it's a kind, of, kind of an interesting thing. Here's, here's a man, uh, Tychicus, and I, I called him the man with the servant's heart. He started out as a messenger, wound up. Uh, filling in as pastor for a very great man, man of God, a man by the name of Titus. And the man with a servant's heart made himself available, and God used him in ways I'm sure that he never dreamed possible. Now later on, I want you to notice something. Paul, Paul wrote the last letter that we believe he wrote, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, and he says this, writing to Timothy, Antichicus have I sent to Ephesus. The cloak that I left at Troas, the cloak, the cloak there, that, uh, that he's talking about something for his body, like a blanket. The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when you come, uh, bring it with you, and my books. He wanted his cloak to have something to warm his body. He wanted his books to have something for his mind. And then, especially, he said, the parchments. That, now, that was the Bible. That was the scriptures they had then. It was on parchments. This was different than the books. He had books, but then uh, he said, especially the parchments. He needed something for his spirit. So he, had, he wanted something for his body. He wanted something for his mind. And he wanted something for his spirit. So when he, he said, when you come, will you bring all that stuff that I left over there? Now, what he's saying here is, Timothy, I want you to come and be with me. I need you in the, in the work here. Now, at that time, Timothy had been left at Ephesus, and he was the pastor there in the church at Ephesus. And he said, I, I'm going to send somebody to take your place. And who is it? It's this guy, Tychicus. He's making a career out of being an interim pastor. And he's filling in for some pretty high-class men, Titus and Timothy. He would reflect on both of those congregations, the character of Paul, the life of Paul, the ministry of Paul, and they would love him because he would bring Paul to them. Now, that's the kind of man that he was. He was a, he was a messenger and he was a pastor, interim pastor, filling in for Titus, filling in for Timothy, and, uh, and perhaps even for others. But, uh, but he, was, he was anything that Paul wanted him to be. We never find any, any bit of argument, we never find any bit of anxiety. We only find Tychicus doing what Paul told him to do. But, this, but this, is a, this is a faithful servant. He loves Paul. He's loyal. He'll be a messenger. He'll be a pastor. 
He'll be anything. Anything that Paul asks him to do, he will do. Back several years ago, our, our pastor, Janice and I, pastor, Brother Jewel Smith, who was pastor of the Temple Baptist Church there in Orlando when we lived there, uh, he, he died, and they were having the funeral service there at the church, and we were there. And Brother Smith had two boys and two girls. And uh, one of the girls, I think it was Lisa, after the funeral service, we were talking, and she said, said you know, uh, Brother Wiggins, Brother, my dad, Brother Smith, he always thought of you as the crown jewel of his ministry. And I, I've, I felt humbled by that. I never, I never would, you know, I never would uh, have thought of that. I, uh, I know I told you back when he told me he was going to, he was going to uh, appoint me to be a deacon. And I told him, I, well, I don't know what a deacon does. I don't know how to deacon. And he said, you just do what I tell you to. And so that's what I practiced all, all the time that we were there, the 10 years that we were there. I practiced just doing what Brother Smith told me to do. And, um, and so this is the kind of person that Tychicus was. And Paul here he has in mind sending with the letter to the Colossians. He's going to, to pastor. He's just going to be a delivery boy. And he says when, when he gets there, he's not just a delivery boy. Verse 7, all, all my state shall he declare you. He's going to tell you all about me and ease any anxiety. Verse 8 says, I have sent him to you for that purpose that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. He's going to tell you about me. He's going to find out about you. And he's going to add a personal word of comfort to this letter. So among the other things that, that Tychicus is, he's an encourager, an encourager. Here's a man who did whatever Paul told him to do. He saw himself as a servant. You know, something we don't, we don't find that he had any credential, credential. I don't find anything. There's no letters after his name, no doctor's degrees. We don't, we don't know that he had any seminary training. He had no particular heritage, had no great sermons that he preached. We don't know anything he ever said. In fact, there's not one word recorded in the Bible that he ever spoke. But uh, I'm sure that he wasn't mute because he wouldn't have been sent over there uh, with a message for the people and then wouldn't have been sent to take the place of Timothy and Titus in pastoring those churches while they were not there. But, um, but he, he, while he didn't have any personal or any particular unique talent, he was the personal envoy of the Apostle Paul. And Paul had three things to say about him. Let me, let me go through them quickly. I'm not going to go back through the whole thing that we did before, but just kind of a, a, a review as brief as a Baptist preacher is able to be brief. And um, so, number one, he said here, who is a beloved brother. Now, I'll tell you, if I could have the Apostle Paul say that about me, I'd be a happy man. If I could labor with Paul for four years, which Tychicus did, and say, this man is a beloved brother, that would be the essence of commendation. He was a brother, one of the family. He was beloved. 
he had earned that designation. And I suppose it's the fulfillment of a man's life to know that he's loved. And how much fulfillment there must have been in knowing that he was loved by the most beloved of all human beings at that time, the great Apostle Paul himself. The second thing he says, and this gets us into the thought that he's a that he is a servant's heart, has a servant's heart. He said here, he is a faithful minister. Verse 7. And, and the word there, the root, the root word there, uh, is the same as the word for deacon. It is the word servant. Servant. He is a faithful servant. He never attained prominence. He just served. He was one of those First um, Corinthians chapter 4 kind of stewards that was found faithful. He just did it, whatever it was. He was faithful, a faithful steward. You know something? There's no other way to get the work done, and Paul knew it. You've got to have people who have a servant's heart. Every pastor needs a Tychicus. And then third, look what it says. He not only was a favorite servant of Paul, but he was a fellow servant. A faithful servant of Paul but a fellow, fellow servant in the Lord. The first phrase has to do with Paul. He's a faithful servant of mine and a fellow servant in the Lord. So here, here we met one of Paul's friends, an indispensable man. I'm glad that Paul had Tychicus, aren't you? I'm glad that he had this man that was loyal, he was faithful. But I want us tonight, now I want us to look at another man. I may have, I may have touched on this uh, last time, but, but I don't think I got into it uh, very far. But one look here at, at this man, Onesimus. And I'm calling him Onesimus, the man with a sinful past. We met the man with the servant's heart. Now let's meet the man with the sinful past. It's, you know, it's, no, it's, it's a, a great thing to know that you can have a sinful past and still be useful, isn't it? The fact of the matter is all of us have a sinful past. We all do. And it's a great thing to know that the Lord can take people such as you and me and use us in his work. Now Onesimus ties us to Philemon. Now, because uh, Philemon is, uh, is a book. The book of Philemon is a book. It's a letter, a book about Onesimus. And let me give you a little picture here. The book of Colossians were written to the church at Colossae. The book of Philemon is written to one family in that church, a man by the name of Philemon. Philemon was a member of that church in Colossae. Uh, now, evidently, Philemon is one of the pillars of the Colossian church. Remember this morning I told you there's a difference between pillars and pillows. Pillows are to sleep on. Pillars are support. They're support. Philemon loved the Lord. His family was very involved. It said in verse 2 of Philemon, the church in your house. Now, Philemon was a convert 
of the Apostle Paul. Verse 19 of Philemon says, you owe, you owe to me your own self. So he was a convert of Paul. He's a very wealthy man. He owned some slaves. One of those slaves was a man named Onesimus, this man we're talking about now. But Onesimus came to the place. He didn't like living in Philemon's house. He didn't like being a slave, so he ran away. Now, do you know what the, what the uh, penalty, if a slave ran away and he was caught, you know what the penalty was? It was death. He was to be put to death. He was to give his life. He was to be executed. Runaway slaves were executed. But this one, he was willing to make the gambling. He ran away, ran all the way to Rome. You know what happened? Amazing thing. He ran right into the Apostle Paul. And you know something else? Just as the Apostle Paul had led Philemon to Christ, the Apostle Paul led Philemon's runaway slave to Christ. Isn't that an amazing thing to think that there were two million people in Rome, and yet he comes into contact with Paul? But it's not so amazing when you see what God had in mind. Now, Paul writes a letter, the letter of Philemon, and sends Onesimus back, and the letter says, Philemon, I know he ran away, but don't kill him. He may have gone away a slave, but he's coming back a brother, and he's willing to serve you as a slave and a brother in Christ. So open your arms of love and take him. And so here's Tychicus with Philemon, the letter in his pocket, and Onesimus, the slave, walking beside him, Paul writes a letter to establish in Philemon's heart acceptance for a returning slave who's now a brother. Now think of it. When, when he left Colossae, he must have been shrinking from his master, which having uh, stolen property, his clothes, uh, and also in his heart the carnality that was driving him to the excitement of Rome and he gets there and he meets Paul and and when he comes back he ran away in a bad condition but when he comes back all he desires is holiness all he desires to be a servant to his master that he left all he wants is the light of the knowledge of God in his soul and so, so the two go off with the message. And what, what does Paul say about Onesimus? Look at it. Onesimus, and did he, did he say a runaway slave? No. What did he say? A faithful, beloved brother who is one of you. You want to hear something great? Christ makes... Uh, sure that a man with a past has a past that's past. A P-A-S-T that's P-A-S-S-E-D. And he says to the Corinthians, and, and such were some of you. And he says to the Ephesians, and you were once dead in trespasses and sin, but Christ has made you alive. Man, I'm telling you, it's exciting to know that in Christ, people with a past have a past that's past. 
In Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, Paul said, there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, male nor female, you're one in Christ. He's a brother now, Philemon. Take him in. You see, Christianity ultimately destroys slavery because it breaks the caste system and makes everybody brothers. That's one reason that here in America they stopped educating the slaves because the slaves, when they got educated, they started to read. And you know what they read? They read the Bible. And when they read the Bible, they got converted. And when they got converted, they could see the end of the slave trade. So the owners stopped teaching them to read. They didn't want them to get saved and end the slave trade. But here he calls him a brother. Then notice he calls him beloved or beloved. I, I like that. I like saying beloved. That sounds a little more tender, you know, a little more gentle, a little more, a little more loving. Beloved. Like a, a, one of our professors in Bible college, he said, he said uh, you know, there, there are some things that I, I know that the correct pronunciation uh, may be this, but he said, I, I, I like to say this because it sounds more masculine. And uh, he used some words, mentioned some words that I don't remember, so uh, I can't tell you what they were. But uh, he calls him a beloved brother. And I, I like this. He said, he, he said he's my very heart. And, and Philemon, he's talking about, and he used the word bowels, which, uh, which is speaking about the heart. Onesimus is my very heart. I love this man, this once slave. He's now a brother. You know, I think the reason that Paul, or one of the reasons Paul loved this man was because he was another illustration of the principle that moved, moved Paul. If any man be in Christ, he's what? He's a new creature, new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I just think having Onesimus around was just another great testimony to what God's transforming power can do in a life. I'm so glad that God can use people with a past, don't you? You know something? Paul was a man with a past also, a sinful past. Now, I'm sure he identified with Onesimus. You want to hear something kind of interesting? A letter has been found written by Ignatius, one of the early church fathers. Now, a few years after the New Testament era. And in that letter, Ignatius, who at that time was the pastor of the church at Smyrna, he wrote these words. Since then, in the name of God, I received your entire congregation. He's writing to the Colossians. Since then, in the name of God, I received your entire congregation, the person of Onesimus, a man of inexpressible love, and your pastor. I beseech you in Christ Jesus to love him and all who are like him. Now, did you, did you hear that? Ignatius, living in that time and, and, and knowing who Onesimus was, he says that he, he is now your pastor. 
we're talking about here now this this Colossian church. This is where where Onesimus came uh, back to Philemon, who was a pillar of that assembly, and he's now pastor. He's become the pastor of that church, from a runaway slave to your pastor, and only Christianity is going to do something like that. So what do we find? We take a look at the picture. We see a man with a servant's heart and a man with a sinful past. And then let's hurry on. Let's look at the third man, Aristarchus, verse 10. Now, Aristarchus is the man with a sympathetic heart, the man with a sympathetic heart. You know what you need if you're a leader, if you're in the Lord's work? You need some people who are just around to feel your burdens. You need some burden bearers. They aren't, you know, you got, there are people that they're not whirlwinds at anything. They just care. They just care. They don't, they don't put on great programs, don't do great things, astounding, prominent, out front things. They just care, and, and every church has to have them. You have to have those people that care. And Aristarchus was one of those people with a sympathetic heart. Verse 10, and Aristarchus, my, and this is kind of strange, my fellow prisoner greets you. Now those are deep words. Aristarchus is a Jew with the Greek name, which was common in the dispersion. When the Jews were scattered, they often took Greek names. So he says, Aristarchus sends his love and his blessing. He greets you. Now, Aristarchus' name appears elsewhere in the New Testament in association with the town of Thessalonica. And it's very likely that that's where he was from. He came from that town. And at Ephesus, you remember, Paul ministered at Ephesus for three years. And during those three years, Aristarchus was with him. And you remember, and I hope you remember, <laughs> you remember when finally in Ephesus the riot broke out. When the riot broke out, Aristarchus and Gaius were seized by the mob. And Aristarchus found out what it was to be a prisoner. They recognized him as one of Paul's companions, and so, so they seized him. That's, that's in chapter 19 of the book of Acts. Now, Paul decides to go to Jerusalem. You know what happens? He takes Aristarchus along. So he goes on that trip. Paul gets on the boat. You remember he was captured as a prisoner in Jerusalem. Then he was moved to Caesarea on the coast where he uh, stayed as a prisoner, and then finally in Acts chapter 27, he gets on a boat to go to Rome to be tried in Rome. And he's a prisoner on the ship. And Acts 27 verse 2 says, when he got on the boat, Aristarchus was with him. Had Aristarchus been with him through all the imprisonment? Very possible. Ever since the time he identified with Paul in the city of Ephesus and escaped from the right and went to Jerusalem, it seems that that he was a fellow prisoner with Paul. From that time uh, until now, he had stayed with Paul as a prisoner in Jerusalem. He hung around. Caesarea, he must have hung around on the ship. 
You remember what a ride that was, Acts 27 again? I mean, that was something exciting, and he was there. Now, he, here, here Paul's back in Rome, and guess who's there? Aristarchus. And Paul calls him my fellow prisoner. And the guy hasn't committed a crime. He just hang around, hangs around with Paul, and so he spends his time in jail. But why, why does he call, call him a fellow prisoner? Well, I guess it was just because he spent his time with a prisoner. He might as well have been a prisoner. He's chosen to be beside Paul. If Paul's in prison, he's in prison. That's his choice. It's unlikely that he actually became a prisoner in Rome, more likely that he chose to make Paul's lifestyle his because he was sympathetic, because he cared, because he loved, because he knew Paul needed him. He was a man with a sympathetic heart. You know, uh, I've, I've often had some of you, some of you men that have uh, said to me, uh, preacher, is there anything I can do for you? Any, any, anything, any burden you want to share? Anything I can do for you? <clears throat> and you don't know how much that means to a preacher to have men that are willing to be burden bearers, to help, to help bear the burden. You know, there are people that can't lead a meeting, they can't speak, they can't be prominent in the church, and maybe they're the most, most beloved of all because they're the burden bearers. You know, we don't, we don't know what Aristarchus did. It doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us he delivered anything or did anything. But you know something? We know that whatever he did, he gave up his freedom to do it, to be a prisoner with Paul. <clears throat> now, I'll tell you something. The Lord's work would never be done if it weren't for people like this who are willing to give up their liberty to be a, pris to, uh, be a prisoner to accomplish what God wants accomplished. And some of our men have said to me, Preacher, if they ever come lock you up, they're going to have to take me with you. <clears throat> I'd, rather, I'd rather you stay out and try to get me out. You know, don't, don't come in there with me. But, but I thank God that there are men that feel that way. And uh, I've even had men to tell me if they come to get you, they're going to have to shoot me, meaning them. So here, here's a sympathetic man. I call him the man for all seasons, the bad weather friend. You've heard of good weather friends, haven't you? What about bad weather friends? Thank God that for those that will stick with you when it's hard, because all of them won't when it gets rough, when it gets rough, and really rough. And Paul said, who will volunteer? And Aristarchus, the first one with his hand up, he said, me, Paul, where are we going? Where we're we going? To what prison? What jail is going to be the next jail we're going to be in? True greatness for those who help, believe me. So Paul's special friends, a man with a servant's heart, a man with a sinful past, a man with a sympathetic heart, and then the last one, I, I've got to bring this in because this is kind of a, a surprise. And in verse 10, it's Marcus. Now, that's Mark. We know him as Mark. 
But that's uh, Mark. And in verse 10, it says, And Mark, sister's son to Barnabas. Now, if, if his mother was sister to Barnabas, that makes him Barnabas' nephew, doesn't it? Am I correct? That makes him his nephew. And he said here, Mark, uh, sister's son to Barnabas, concerning whom you receive commandments, if he come unto you, receive him. Mark sends his greeting along. <clears throat> now, maybe we shouldn't call him Mark the man with a surprising future. Maybe we ought to call him Mark the man with a second chance. You remember about Mark? Remember that first missionary journey and Paul and Barnabas took Mark and remember he didn't he didn't he didn't last very long. He went back home to Mama. In Acts chapter 15, verse 37, they go on their second missionary journey, and Barnabas says to Paul, Let's take Mark. And Paul said, Uh-uh. Uh-uh, he's a quitter. He left us. The Bible says Paul thought it not good to take him with him who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. Paul said, I don't want a guy like that along. I want somebody to stick with it. And there was a split between Paul and Barnabas and Mark was the point of contention. Well, obviously since then, between then and, and now, something happened to Mark. He's the man with the surprising future. He began as a washout. I'm glad the Lord can use people with a sinful past. I'm glad the Lord can use people who failed at it once, who blew it. But God gave them a second chance. You know, there's a future for failures. Paul had one, and he, he had a great future. Praise God for restoration. So Paul's friends, a man with a servant's heart, a man with a sinful past, a man with a sympathetic heart, a man with a surprising future. What a team. What a, what a team. There are several more here, but I don't, I'm sure you don't want me to uh, go on any longer because I'm beginning to smell wafting on the air some fried chicken and... Uh, so maybe some other things to go along with that back there at, at, at our fellowship. But if God had me as your pastor to write a book about you, what would I be able to say about you? I want you to think about that now. What would I be able to say about you? Would you stand please with your heads bowed?